this put me into a position where it's like I, I desperately needed to understand why I was different and develop a mask around it too. Like I, I don't think I was ever very good at hiding my neurodivergence in the sense that it was like I was always, you know, you know, weird and different or overexplained or whatever the thing was. But it's really led me to study human nature and the nature of relationships and dynamics at that, you know, I didn't even really know that I was studying but did on on some levels. Welcome to the Projector Guidance Podcast, your source for unlocking insight into human design. I'm your host, Brandi Yates. In this episode, I sit down with Amanda Ray, a 6'2 emotional projector with the left angle cross of identification for an incredibly transformative conversation. Amanda opens up with raw vulnerability about her own journey, sharing her struggles with addiction and mental health. Her path to healing took a unique turn through psychedelic medicine, leading her to the profound wisdom of human design and other healing modalities. Amanda's story is a beacon of hope for anyone facing addiction recovery or personal transformation. She sheds light on crucial lessons, such as shifting your focus from mere sobriety to true freedom and using visualization as a tool to break through resistance to change. We delve into fascinating aspects of human design, especially those patterns that often correlate with addictive behaviors. Join us as we explore the significance of acceptance, the art of regulating your nervous system, and the importance of respecting your energy levels, especially as a projector in the realm of business. Whether you're on a journey of understanding human design, seeking pathways out of addiction, or in a pursuit of personal growth, this conversation is a treasure trove of inspiration and insight. Now, before we move forward with the episode, I want you to pause and take a deep breath and enjoy. We'll just intuitively kind of go into this, but I have been really interested to just bring on, bring you on. And I want to hear your story. I really do. Ever since I first found you on TikTok, I was like, I feel like this girl is on my fractal. And then when you gave me your human design information, well, it confirmed it. And I was like, it is, she is on my fractal. This is why I am so drawn to Amanda. So Amanda, I am just really, really excited that you're here with me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me on and for the work that you do on TikTok. I feel the the exact same way when I watch your stuff and I love hearing your perspective too of human design because I love hearing like everybody's different perspective because that's part of what makes it cool is like everybody's interpretation. But yours has always been very much so spot on with my understanding of it too and the way that you're able to just like just word it and, and also like spin it to something that is like more positive too because sometimes, you know, like initially when I was learning human design too. Um, yeah, there's parts of it that it's like, oh, well, that's kind of a drag. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it really has a gift once you can like, you know, perceive it that way. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's how I feel about you. Like everything that you share, and even just like once I looked at your design, I was like, oh, I see it. Because girl, your six line energy, I feel like you have just really, even in the past year, have yeah. really just shown up and just that wisdom is just really bleeding through you and it's really showing at this time. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely the uh, the six line man like that that made and I found human design at the perfect time because I was just entering into that second phase. Um, so I like, I was like, dude, something is wrong. Like I'm like severely depressed or something. Like, so it was like such a godsend because like learning about the six and the whole life cycle of the six and also just some of the wild experiences that I've had that I'm like, oh, okay, this all just 
yep, that checks out. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm going to save a little bit of that because I do have questions yep. for you about your six line. But Amanda, I really want to hear <laughs> how you got to where you are today, because I know it is one hell of a story. Yeah, thank you. That's an awesome question. So, you know, there were a lot of elements to my childhood that um, were very like complex trauma and were just like things, you know, over a prolonged period of time. I was always treated like an adult, but I will say as a child, I enjoyed that. I always felt like an adult. So I felt very seen by the adults in my life that treated me like an adult. But um you know, and especially there's so many things that like, you know, but I'd have these intense emotional waves and swings. I always kind of felt like I, I could sense how different I was from other people. And it like terrified me, you know, because it was like, and I remember like existential crises at like age of five, like being like, do I not exist? Like, and then I could just tell how differently I saw things in other people, um, you know, and so, you know, my childhood, well, like I said, I, I definitely had, um, you know, lots of different kinds of traumas. My family has also had a lot of really crazy things happen to us. You know, like my dad was in a horrific car accident in seventh grade uh, or when I was in seventh grade, um, you know, we survived a house fire where, we, you know, there was, we definitely by the grace of God got out of the house. Um, so there was like lots of different things like that. But I think the biggest thing for me was just feeling so different. And then especially when you got to school, right? It was like in my face you know like it was like like my parents and my family could like appreciate my weirdness and my quirks and things you know as much as they you know were like babies themselves that's part of the thing right like my parents were were just babies doing the best that they could you know um but then especially once I got to school um be like just I was, I was just so confused by what is like typical human nature between like the point in school where suddenly your gender matters or like you know like if you're friends with boys that's like a thing and I was like this tomboy that was kind of uncomfortable um you know with girls especially like so I I was really like bullied by girls in school and again like something that just like confused me and so I think this put me into a position where it's like I, I desperately needed to understand why I was different and develop a mask around it too. Like I, I don't think I was ever very good at hiding my neurodivergence in the sense that it was like I was always, you know, clearly you know, weird and different or overexplained or whatever the thing was. But um, I really wanted to try to figure out how I could just like assimilate or fit in or, um, you know, so it's really led me to study human nature and the nature of relationships and dynamics um, at that, you know, I didn't even really know that I was studying, but did on on some level. So you know, through all of that, by the time I reached my teenage years, um, I was so burnt out and emotionally exhausted, um, you know, especially taking on my parents stuff too, that I, I, I kind of snapped. And that was when um, I really started to experiment with different substances, you know, like, uh, you know, funny thing was that like, one of the reasons why I started to use uh, different drugs was because I was always accused of being on them because of how I show up. And um, so, you know, it was one of the things that was like, fine, you know, fine, like, and I, and I just kind of developed this, um, 
this persona and then this like label as like the bad kid right like you know being 35 my neurodivergence just be something at that point in my life that just like made it be I couldn't get in line right so whether it was like the adults um and and I ran with it like that felt so much safer to me like I knew that I loved way too big and way too hard and had way too much compassion and that it was going to get me hurt you know so best I could do was put on this hat of the bad girl and then maybe people would like stay away um so eventually it all kind of culminated I was like you know diagnosed with several different kind of mental health disorders like you know sometimes for different doctors it was like bipolar you know um some manic depression um you know just lots of different things but none of that really uh resonated with me personally um again I just felt like there was something wrong and so ultimately I ended up using heroin for the first time when I was 18 it was July 5th 2008 I had just lost my boy and best friend in a drunk driving accident the day before so I was like done like I was like I, I tap out like I'm just I'm over this and so to be honest when I first used it was really just it was almost like a suicide attempt I was like I'm either going to like overdose on this thing right which I was totally okay with or I was gonna get high and I was okay with that too and and I just can say that it was the first time I, I remember feeling safe in my body and it gave me permission with this new sense of safety to be a bitch to people which is like what I needed at that point in my life was to be able to be like dude no you know forget you forget you you know um and kind of do my own thing so it was my saving grace and is um I was always incredibly protected in that space by the grace of God again I never overdosed I saved lots of other people from overdosing but it was like very clear that spirit was like nope it's not gonna be that easy like you know can't can't check out um so I essentially kind of had like lots of different points of ego death and spiritual awakening and ego death and spiritual awakening throughout that process um, of addiction and ultimately um, the thing that was able to get me not only just like clean from heroin but to wake me up again to all of my gifts as being a gift was a psychedelic plant medicine called ibogaine and it changed me in ways i could have never seen coming right and it was a profound ego death which is was why i'm really passionate about helping people after those kind of plant medicine experiences like deal with the ego death and i use human design as a way to help them get in touch with who is the real them right like what decisions are in alignment for them um so that was nine years ago now um and i can like unequivocally say that um yeah i especially after discovering human design which again i discovered um about five years after getting clean um and just the more i i make an effort to live you know within my own authenticity and within my own design more magic really kind of seems to unfold and I absolutely live to help show other people how to be able to do that for themselves. 
Yeah. <laughs> your story lands so much with me. Like I can't even explain it to you. I mean, just like even with your pattern, I was writing it down because I went through similar patterns myself. Mm-hmm. I was very different as a kid and I knew it. And I was a tomboy. I only dressed in boy clothes. Like I I wanted to be a boy. I didn't like, I was like, girls are tough. Like, what is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I do not want to be a girl. So I always imagined myself with a boy. I didn't even have a female friend friend until sixth grade, because I, like you said, I was terrified of girls. Girls bullied me because I was with the dudes and I hung out with the dudes and that, because I only knew how to relate to them. It was the only energy that I really knew how to, um, to connect with at that time. And Mm. it really affected me as I got into older grade school, because then I was like, well, what do people like? What do, what do I need to do to fit in? And I tried on all those different masks, but it wasn't until my teens where I started experimenting with drugs and I started experimenting with different things. And like, even with what you said with, so you take all of that, you build all this walls around, it's almost like for me, I built so much walls because I didn't want to be rejected. And that was exactly what I brought on because I was so fearful of it. I was like, oh, I don't want people to reject me. So I'm going to build up this tough girl persona. Don't fuck with me. I will fuck with you back. And it's like that kept me safe and that kept me secure. And like what I have now been redoing is like shedding those beliefs, shedding those walls, really getting to the core of what that fear of rejection is for me and how much that has truly, truly like dictated and controlled my life. Amen. Amen. That's huge. Yeah. That is where TikTok has been the biggest blessing in disguise. I had no idea like the profound therapy I was going to receive from this thing. I just had like a like strong calling that spirit would no longer let me ignore and at the time tiktok only had minute long videos so i was like okay i can do a minute like I can, I can do it for a minute and like the just the rejection therapy that i was able to face and just like the you know when people would say mean things i'd be like why am i letting this get to me um but no i couldn't agree more it was it was i I did that with oversharing and over explaining too. like it was like I, you know, and it was like a way to push people away. But like here I was thinking I'm like, I'm trying to open up to people and they're rejecting me. And it's like, no, you're like giving them all of the reasons why you're not worthy of love in advance so that they, they can walk away and then you can have a pity party or be like, well, I tried or whatever the thing is. Yeah. And I, and I realized that a lot of these experiences when they occurred, it was because I didn't fully accept myself in any situation. Like I wasn't accepting who I was or what I was bringing to the table, which is why I was so willing to change whatever was in front of me so that I could match that. How important of course is acceptance, especially when you're going down a healing journey with addiction. A million percent, a million percent. That is the most crucial. I mean, it, it takes the, the acceptance for it to shift. So it's like, first you have to have the awareness that you are doing the thing or that, you know, this thing, you know, isn't, you know, authentic for you in order for it to, you know, shift over. And especially when it comes to actually 
healing what we call addiction, right? Because from my experience and people I've worked with, right, that's some, it's something you can heal. You're not like doomed for the rest of your life to, you know, be struggling with this thing in the back of your mind. Um, you know, I live my life very much so like anybody else who never experienced addiction, right? I, I'm still not, I'm not a fan of drinking, but I could do it if I wanted to, you know, type, type of thing. But it took fully accepting myself in that space and the poor decisions that I made that were out of protection. And again, coming to that full circle moment of like this thing in this period of time that, you know, so many people perceive as like just a wrong, bad, awful thing, like saved my life at points. Like had I not had this tool to be able to feel safe in my body and, and take space from people and be like, no, I'm not going to carry your shit anymore. I would have just found a way to unalive myself by my, you know what I mean? Like on my own. So, um, but it takes that, like that full circle moment with the acceptance for it to shift because when you can know, when you can actually see all of the benefits and the beauty that this, this thing, whatever it is, even if it's not a substance, right? Like even if it's like an abusive relationship you're in, right? Like all of the gifts that it gave you, even though that, yeah, there's going to be some hurts and traumas and things you've got to process and feel through too. But if you just stay focused on the gifts that it gave you, then it can actually serve you and once it's served you like once its mission with you is complete it will just leave your life you know like you're not going to start because you, you you want things that are going to serve you and once it's done serving you it just it just leaves yeah 100% absolutely cuz like one of the things that i've been in my cycle and where i'm at is working well i've gotten to the point of acceptance like all the shit that I've did in the past, all the relationships that I hurt, <laughs> all the terrible things that I did to people, there's a difference between me continuously feeling guilty about all those things that I did in the past and then getting to a point of accepting like, yeah, that Brandy did do that. Like that Brandy was extremely fucked up. Like, yes, that Brandy said those things and I apologize for that. And it's about growing that awareness to not be that person anymore, but to understand how you got there, what got you there and to continue to put energy into things that are serving your life that are not, that are not serving you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. A million percent. And that can be the most difficult thing, especially as empathetic, you know, loving, caring people, um, you know, and, and I call it the trap of the empath too, right. Is like the thing where it's like the amount of people that I hurt or kind of like threw a wrench into their life, you know, although that of course is by design too, but having to accept that like it was as much as I thought it was coming from this loving space of like trying to help people, I was subconsciously telling them like your higher self doesn't know what they're doing. You don't know what you're doing. This is their, especially as a projector and being able to see, right, the right path for people, right? So it's like, you know, um, so trying to coerce them however it is or or, you know, um, yeah, to doing things a different way, or maybe they would listen to me and go a different way, but that way wasn't actually best for them. It was best for me at that time. And it's like all of these ways that we can um, hurt people by trying to help them because we're trying to save them, right? And that's where my worthiness came from, was like, that's what I'm good at. That's what my worth is from. And I'm still working on that, that like, it's not, you know, just attached to like the advice that I'm able to give and the ways I'm able to guide and lead people, just like being worthy to be seen just for the sake of being seen just like as a whole yeah absolutely <laughs> now going through these experiences right going through trauma having experienced addiction 
that plays a huge role on your nervous system. Oh my gosh, does it ever? <laughs> what advice would you give to somebody who's nervous, who's who's just getting into their journey? They're like, all right, I'm on this healing journey and like, I need to focus on my nervous system. What advice would you give them? Hmm. That is such a good question. So I highly recommend a just learning first about the nervous system, about the, the parasympathetic nerve, about each of the operation systems and what they're in control of. If you're somebody like me who like, I need a cognitive understanding of why this is important or how this works in order to pursue it, right? Like, it's like, if I don't understand it and it's not important to me, it's like, I literally can't make myself do it, right? So so that has been really helpful is just to like learn about it to begin with. Um, the other thing that I would say is that practicing nervous system regulation tools before you need them is the best way to utilize them, right? You know, because it's like, like if you learn the tools and you only try to implement them when you are dysregulated, um, A, they're kind of can become an attachment Two, that becomes like, just like reaching for a substance to regulate your nervous system, right? It's like, I'm going to do this thing and that's attached now, right? So you're still like escaping your feelings by just, you know, utilizing this thing. But also in order for it to kind of become ingrained into muscle memory and the new neural pathway of like, this is how we deal with this now. That's why it's helpful, even if it's, you know, and you don't honestly have to dedicate a lot of time. I really, I like to teach people what I call lifestyle skills and tools because people i think sometimes feel like you have to dedicate your entire day to different things like meditation rather than just a three minute practice of like shaking it out or whatever the thing is um, that you want to use for regulating your nervous system and then recognizing that that's what you are really ultimately trying to do with so many things right to see something outside of yourself to be able to regulate and once you can see the correlation between that action now you know the need that is trying to be met through this thing right and your brain can only tell you i want to be regulated through what it knows of how you have regulated it right so like that's what people like with cravings right like that's what a craving is it's not necessarily craving the, you know, the, the substance or whatever it is, or even like the person, if that's what you use to regulate, right? It's just telling you, I want to be regulated. This is what I know you use for that. And then you just have to choose, oh, that's what it wants for me. Let me pick something, you know, healthier to regulate my nervous system. And the best part is if you choose the other thing, like I've, I've made all of my changes by a small little, little tool right like okay i want this substance and i tell myself okay you can have that substance but first we're gonna drink some water right and by like slowly reprogramming myself so now when i want the thing i reach for water instead of the other thing that's how it naturally is able to just kind of phase out because the need is being met through the other thing so you'll st the cravings will slowly dissipate mm -hmm. Okay, because like one of the questions I have for you is like your opinion on cannabis. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, because like, because cannabis to me, like, so I've also gotten to the point where I, re well, first, before we dive into cannabis, mm -hmm. nope, we're already here. Let's just move forward. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like for me, cannabis is, some, I, 
ADHD. You and I have had conversations about ADHD. And I've honestly, so when I went to the doctor, I was prescribed, prescribed 120 milligrams a day. That was like my normal intake, which is extremely high. So I got extremely used. My body was addicted to it. My body, I felt like I needed it to function. I couldn't get out of bed for four days if I didn't take it. That's where I was at. So it's been a long journey where I haven't had any Adderall, no type of stimulant. I don't drink caffeine, nothing in almost three years. It's been a a long journey. Thank you. And now like where I'm at is like, I've gotten to the point with cannabis where, so I used used to have an alcoholic addiction, addiction, right? And it took me a while, but now I'm at this place where my view on alcohol is like 1000% different than what it was when I was addicted to it, right? When I was addicted to it, I was using it for connection and to escape. And now I see it as like just 100% of poison and it's just going to take my identity away. Like that's my view of it. And I'm just like, I don't want to fuck with it. We're cool. We're cool. (laughs) You stay over there. I'm going to stay over here. Um, But with cannabis, you even said like reaching for that substance. And like that to me has been a crutch that that I have utilized not only for my ADHD, mm-hmm. for my nervous system and when mm-hmm. it gets dysregulated. And now I'm at this point when I am dysregulated to not reach for that thing. And yeah. for me right now, it's like, we're going to go on a walk. I just need you to get outside. Like, don't reach for that. <laughs> get outside and move your feet and just take a lap. Do your five senses and start working on reconnecting with yourself and getting back into my body because I feel like when my nervous system starts getting out of whack, the first thing I want to do is escape. And I'm like, let's just get out of my body. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Totally. And I adore cannabis. I will be honest. I adore every substance for the things that it's able to teach us and show us, you know, like, as you know, I'm, I, I was very fortunate to not, um, take a liking to alcohol from a young age. And I think that's because it's just like prevalent in my family. I'm from Wisconsin. So that's like everybody's thing, you know? And I think I just like needed so badly to be different that it was like, no. So I got really lucky with that. Um, but, you know, and I, cause I mentioned even, you know, my time with opiates, like I'm so grateful for what I really, you know, tapping into that energy. She's like very dark feminine goddess, which is such a needed energy, right? But it it really all comes down to your intention, like you said. So I think any of these things, and I, you know, I use cannabis um, maybe like every other day because it's not like a it's not like a ritual thing anymore. Like it's one of those things um, with anything that I use, it's really all in a micro level because it's no longer about escaping or tuning out or it's about like communing with the spirit of it right you know so and and you know I got really fortunate just like in order to like teach me this um because these these different medicines with these different intelligence and different spirits um like wouldn't it would it would like wouldn't work right like it just like would it like or it's still like if if I like do have a human moment where I'm like super dysregulated and I would even go to take a hit of weed or something it makes it so much worse and I go oh shit yep you're right okay like you know what I mean like kicks me in the ass right away you know um so it really comes down to and that's the thing like you said like going for a walk right like I, I might, you know, get a lot out of, I really like one of my favorite things to do uh, with cannabis is to do a Steve Noble uh, YouTube meditation. If you have not gone to this, his, they're incredible. So they're, they're, 
they're guided transmissions of energy. So they're like channeled. It's like getting distance Reiki done. Okay. Um, absolutely incredible page. So one of my favorite things to do is to, like I said, take like a toke, you know, maybe two, and then um, go into like that journey, uh, like with him, you know, um, and, you know, or like a microdose of, of mushrooms every once in a while. And because like my intention is again, to like get wisdom from the spirit that I really like value and like whether I'm going to go meditate and sit by a tree or whatever the thing is, you know, like, it's like, I'm no longer in a relationship where I'm abusing this spirit. And then it's like able to serve me because I don't think that there's anything wrong with the desire. It's a very natural, innate human desire to want to explore our consciousness through different vehicles, right? Like we do it first with our breath when we're children. Um, you know, those games where you like, you know, you pass out and the different things and, and, you know, the coolest thing has been discovering breath work and your ability to have psychedelic and, and, you know, shift your consciousness that way. So it kind of comes full circle, but you know, it's, I don't think that there's anything wrong with us wanting to explore our consciousness that way. Uh, the, the, the issue comes in when it is our only tool that we have for regulating or our only tool for connection. Um, and just like any other relationship we're in, if we only have like if our partner is our only support system is our only you know that relationship's going to get out of balance and stuff is going to start to get haywire within that relationship to show you hey we need to you know have lots of different healthy friendships and relationships in our life and have lots of different things to do with our pastime and so the chaos that ensues as a result of that is beneficial in trying to be like hey there's something going on here we need to look at and all of these substances can be used for that even when we're in the turmoil of it even when we're in the darkness of it this this repetitive this isn't working but i keep doing it energy even when we're in that it is trying to bring something to your attention if you're willing to ask whatever it is that you're using to show you like okay fine i'm listening like you know what i mean like yeah. what what's the thing then we have to be willing to listen that's the hard part <laughs> yeah and you do because i mean like all oh, this sounds like really deep shadow work right and growing yeah. that awareness and that's stuff that you teach is it weekly Yes. So we are, we're kind of revamping some stuff right now. So I do, I do coach. Um, again, I really like to help people, especially after any like really intense psychedelic experience, I host retreats. So I also am a medicine woman and do it that way. Um, so what we're doing right now is monthly workshops. Our next workshop is actually the shadow work workshop, which is going to be this Saturday. Um, so that's a part of, I, they're kind of like my, my core foundational work if you will right between like honing your mediumship abilities because we're we're all mediums and channels and especially anybody that has gone through addiction that's usually what we're trying to suppress is these intense uh knowings and information and the sensory overload so learning how to work with that um and then shadow work and then i have an inner child healing workshop that we do um and then we do um and uh, an energy healing as a lifestyle right and how to kind of utilize energy healing techniques in a day-to-day -day life so that you just feel more connected uh within your reality and you get to see the profound effect that you have on your reality makes a lot more fun.
Yeah, absolutely. And for those who are listening, the workshop is December 9th. I don't know if this is going to be produced in two days or not, Yeah, but you'll have another one in January for anyone interested in joining those workshops. Um, I do have a question for you. For Well, first, I do. What, what tools? Because we were talking about like regulating your nervous system. And of course, we talked about cannabis, but like what other tools would someone utilize? Absolutely. So it, so um, some of it, what tool you use can kind of vary depending on what's going on, right? Like, let's say your nervous system is dysregulated because you are pissed, like you are angry, then the best thing to do, like your, your body is your best tool for regulating your nervous system. So like, if I am pissed, like stomping, right? People talk about like screaming in a pillow, right? Like getting it out of your body, right? Like, you know, um, when I'm like in a state of regulation or dysregulation, where I'm just kind of like, uh, like my body is just like, you know, tense, then I, I shake, like just loosening up your body, you know, um, really, honestly, like I love being silly, um, because especially when you're in dysregulation, you're like not having it right. Like, so, so like laughter is the best medicine. So one of my favorite techniques, um, which works really well is to moo like, like a cow, like very deep in guttural moo, right. Which is so silly. It pulls you kind of out of whatever is going on in your head to begin with. If you just keep kind of doing it, you can't help but laugh at yourself eventually. So those are, and, and learning breath work techniques, just breathing in general, being able to breathe through that discomfort, um, you know, learning how to body scan and be in your body, which, you know, like any pain we're in, right? Like, you know, if you're giving birth, Lamaze is like the breathing process of it. And that's what we're doing essentially in this moment is like having a contraction and giving birth to a new version of ourselves, which requires us to like really breathe through it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Everything you said, 100%. I mean, my main one, as I do the pillow screaming, I'm like, that that just gets it out for me. I just, yes. Um, but even like for my ADHD exercise is, is something that I really can't ignore, um, especially like even if I'm really upset, like just going outside and doing a five or 10 minute something just to like get some things out um, has been really helpful. And then because of my ADHD and meditating, like some days, you know, sometimes some days we're there and then some days we're not. And so exercise has always been something that allows me to quiet my mind and get back into my body. Oh my gosh, a million percent. I, I, um, exercise to me, I don't want to say it's something new. I was always a very active person. Right. But so for, to me, like setting aside time to exercise is new. It was more like, you know, I'm going to go for a hike, go for a walk. I'm going to go kayaking. It was like doing things, but that of course was harder in the winter here in Wisconsin. And so I started going to the gym, um, last year actually it's been I think even maybe a little bit longer than a year now and that was such a game changer for me because you know part of the thing was when I was looking at going to the gym or working out just in terms of like getting buff for my physicality like I don't care enough you know what I mean like I like my body like I don't like it. it's you know like just not a thing so that was not enough for me. This is another way human design helped me, right? Being a triple split definition and needing to be around different people's energies, uh, you know, even if we're not talking just to be around them. And now, you know, and now I work from home, right? And so, and so I just needed someplace to go to get out of the house. And, and, and so when I, when I started doing it for reasons that mattered to me, uh, the like amazing effect that it had on how much less I needed 
nervous system regulation tools because I like setting aside that time and energy to do it. I mean, there's so many other benefits, you know, that come as a result of that. Then it, it does, it becomes a staple. That's one of the best things that you can do for your mental health, I'd say as a whole. Yeah. I mean, like I used to be a fitness instructor where, I mean, like I, I lived in, I lived in the gym, but now it's, uh, I'm burned out. I reached my burnout stage. I like hadn't been in a gym in almost four years until like last weekend. And, but what I've been doing over the past two years is slowly, I call it like micro dosing my fitness. Like I'm not trying to my, I'm not trying to go out there every day. I'm not trying to go out there for hours. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it may be 15. Sometimes it's two hours, but just to go out there and just tell myself, I'm going to even half-ass this. Like that's something my ADHD, ADHD brain needs is like, look, I don't need to do a hundred percent. Like I don't have to go a hundred percent of this workout. Just give yourself what you have. And just even me switching that has been mm. a game changer for me to be able to like consistently show up in that area. Yeah, that's huge. I love that you mentioned that because that is like one of the things. And I think that's where I struggled with working out initially was so many people I had met in that space, my fiance included, his mom was an aerobics instructor, like his daycares at the gym, that's his happy, his happy place. But when we first met, his entire sense of identity and self-worth was hindered upon this, right? You know? And so that coming back to balance, I love that you call it like microdosing fitness, because that's what he had to start doing to make it be healthy, because even our healthy attachments and habits can become unhealthy when the entire weight of our identity and sense of and, and, and ability to, you know, just maintain mental health, when that's your only tool, that's the only thing that you've got. Now you break an arm, what's which would happen because the universe is trying to be like, nope, we need other things, you know? Um, so I love that you've been able to kind of come full circle with that as well, because it's huge. Yeah, I mean, because when you think about it, I have an undefined G-Center, which mm -hmm. is about yeah. my identity. And for fitness for eight years, that to me was my identity, how I looked, what I was doing, the influence I was making, like all of that to me was wrapped around fitness. And so when I stopped, depressed. Like I had just even the relationship of like what my body was doing. I used to like, I used to back squat 350. I used to like, yeah, like I was, I competed, you know, like I was, people were like, wow, this is what I want to look like, but it was not sustainable for me. I was jacked on Adderall. I was jacked on substances. It was not a sustainable lifestyle. Um, and so this journey for me has just been like, who am I? <laughs> what is my identity? And like, what's so comforting about human design? It's like, I'm not here to have a fluid identity. And like, just that understanding and like letting that part of me go and accepting, and that comes back to that acceptance part and like accepting who I am now has been just like a huge transformation. Oh, a million percent. And I love that insight about it because that's definitely, um, that's how I word it to people that I work with that have the undefined G center. And, I, and I've been very much so told too by people with that, that like just that, that, and that's what that like human, it's like the hall pass from the universe. It's like lit. And, and because of my design, I have the ability when I share something with somebody for it to like immediately start clicking things into place. Right. So it's like, like I give them all of this permission, whether they're, and you know, it's, you know, as you know, it's a lot of information. So it's like, I was like, listen, you don't even barely have to follow. Just my words are going to start clicking things into place. And once you just get permission for those things to exist there, that's when they can start to work for you, just like ADHD, because I'm the same. I was prescribed to 90 milligrams a day. 
Um, and, and, and I'm still very much so in a learning process that I'm excited because it's one of those things with ADHD, it's like where it's like, I know it's a gift and I see it as a gift and I wouldn't want it any other way. But now it's a matter of trying to figure out how to utilize this in a world that's set up this way and not for that and trying to find that balance, you know, with it, you know. So, yeah, I'm def and, and human design has definitely helped me uh, to be able to realize what parts are going to stick around and what parts I can heal or maybe think about differently. Yeah. And uh and and please do not feel like you have to have an answer here. I don't even know if I have an answer here, but I do have a question because you do work with people who have addiction. So that means you are looking at like human design charts. Have you seen any patterns within the chart that mm. people you've worked with who have had or experienced addiction? A million percent. Um, I would definitely say that... Um, a majority of the time, I, uh, there's definitely a lot of protectors that come and it, it, it kind of like all it's like their substances in relation to it too, right? Like I, I meet a lot of projectors who um, their drugs of choice are going to be uppers. Well, that makes sense because of the fact that they don't have the consistent energy and they're trying to act like a generator They're you know what I mean? And keep up with people. Um, I definitely um, also uh, an emotional authority is a very, very common thing, um, especially with anybody that is, uh, you know, those are usually the ones that have addiction, but then they're also they have, you know, been diagnosed with some sort of like bipolar or manic depression, like with because of the emotional waves of the mood swings. Um, open open G center is absolutely um, definitely a very, very common one. Um, yeah, and it's like hard because I see so many designs, but in terms of the addiction, it's definitely either the open, um, the open sacral or a def defined emotional center that are probably like the two biggest ones and then an open G center. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Because when I, I've, I've worked with people, but it's not like my focus, but I have people who come who have had experiences and, and one of the patterns that I've seen, and I also have like saw it in your chart, I've seen it in my chart and I've, and I've kind of like put them together. But even if you look at the spleen mm. and then look at gate 57, which is all about clarity and mm -hmm. what are we suppressing? What are we not listening to? What, what don't we want to hear? What truth are we avoiding? Right. Mm -hmm. And for you, that's one of your bridges for your triple yeah. split. For me, it's my, it's the thing that comes out of my spleen, but it goes into the openness. So there's a lot of what I'm trying to suppress there. And a lot of people that I've seen, there's just like some sort of connection, whether the gate is there or the gate is not there, but the energy is moving there. And that's one of the patterns that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. I will definitely, because I, I see what you're talking about. Now I'm going to have to um, keep that in mind. Like I said, as as we go through, it's, it's definitely been interesting to see, like I said, to the drug of choice mix. It, like such an interesting difference, which like, cause I, I, I'm always taking notes on stuff like that because I, I've done very similarly. I started to really notice a pattern, um, with people's drug of choice and the correlation between the different chakras that they have defined or undefined, or even just like have trauma where they're storing their trauma, right? Like I said, lots of people who uppers are their things. Like there's 
definitely a reason why certain substances resonate with our body and are given like that click into place, right? And so, you know, like for people like that are, yep, that have like a powerlessness wound and feel like all of their worth is dependent on how, what they can produce. Those are typically going to be the people that have like the upper attachment, people who have experienced lots of sexual trauma or anything that made, or physical abuse that made somebody feel unsafe in their bodies. A lot of times opiates, because again, that's that like, it's like, you know, lots of people describe that as like, like a, a motherly hug, right? It's like, it's something that's just like cloaking you. So it's been super interesting. I love, um, you know, gathering. I really want to write a book on, on that, the differences of the substances with each of the different kind of traumas and core wounding. And then along with like how it shows up in human design, because there's so much there that has not even been explored yet in possibilities. I invite you to do that. I think that's super interesting because everything you just said, like I only, I have two defined centers. You, you, you and I are polar opposite because you as a projector are so defined, so defined. You have seven defined centers, all mm. the motors except the sacral and your undefined centers are your sacral in your head. I'm the opposite. Mm. I've got two. I've got a root <laughs> and a spleen. Everything else is wide open. And so even with what you said about uppers, right? The sacral wanting to keep up. That's where my Adderall addiction came in. And then the, the G center connected to the liver. It's where my alcoholic addiction came into play. Um, so I think even with what you said, and like even with my family's history and who I know in my family who has a defined solar plexus, who is expressing bipolar disorder. So like everything that you're saying, I'm like, wow, that actually really, really lines up. Yeah. Yeah. It's really incredible. I said, and I like, I like to take notes on all the, even like there is there, I mean, there's times I can usually tell if somebody, um, would have been diagnosed with like uh any sort of like split personality disorder that you know like it's like that's a cool thing about human designers they'll tell me about their things and then i see their design and i go oh that's why like that's where it is you know what i mean and you're just you were looking at it like this or somebody diagnosed it as that you know um adhd is one that's super common and i could usually tell be it whether it's like from um, you know, the focus and precision gate or like you know, there's there's a few different gates of how it can show up because, you know, how 80 there's neurodivergency is so different to begin with, too. Um, but then the way that it shows up for you is usually spelled out there, too, whether you're a manifesting generator and just have lots of different, you know, um, passions and interests or if it's like, you know, gate five of like rhythm. And then, you know, along with like a focus and precision, that's like you've got a different timing to things, but you also cannot put your energy into things that are not going to pay off for you, which is a you know a big thing for me. Like I said, it, like if I don't get why this is important, like I don't care how many people have to tell me it's important. Like I if I don't get it, like my, my body's not doing it. She's like, nope. That's the fifth line. I cannot yeah. universalize anything unless yeah. it is true to me. <laughs> right. Yep. A million percent. Yep. And I'll take my time getting it. Yeah, I love that. Now, with you being a projector, um, one of the questions that I did want to ask you, because a lot of comments, and this isn't just a projector issue, this is a human issue, but with projectors having such an absorbing aura and being sensitive and taking in a lot, and this is also just for other people, people who do, who do take in and carry a lot of energy, what, what method do you recommend for people to clear their energy? Mm, that's a really good one. Um, so I will say that the better you get at doing nervous system regulation, at sitting with and being in uncomfortable feelings of your own, 
the less you end up needing to clear the energy of other people's because it, you're letting it filter through you. You're able to mm -hmm. like be in that space and you're not trying to dissect or take on or like, you know, fix or change. You can just sit with it and notice. And it's just like, it's just like if you're doing energy healing, right? Like when you are trying to heal people from your own energy, rather than channeling source, it's going to drain you. Once you learn how to connect to source and channel source energy, it's going to give you energy. So this is where another way that nervous system regulation tools are really important and helpful because it also through that process of learning how to regulate your own nervous system. And especially for anybody that has like an, um, like an emotional um, open center, that's definitely a thing too, right? Where they think they're experiencing emotions that are theirs but they're just like magnifying it in other people's when you're able to better discern what's yours and what's other people's it can get a lot easier when something tries to come in and you're like oh no that's not mine like okay thank you like appreciate you see you you know but like you're not mine um and then i i um again i'm all about lifestyle tools is what I call it because I personally needed tools that I could not give myself the excuse of I don't have time and you know with my ADHD as well where it's like uh man like you know I'll think doing the dishes that's going to take five minutes is going to take an hour so it's like oh like I have no ability to forecast how long things take so I had to do um, the same thing. I call my my morning routine, um, which is 20 minutes of whatever tool I feel like doing in that moment because I have to enjoy it. Um, otherwise, what's the point? And, I, and it's 20 minutes, which again, sometimes can be longer. And I just call it spiritual hygiene. And that is usually the time for me, my words are very much so important and necessary, although we can do clearing internally and in our thoughts, um, you know, not just because of how I'm designed, but speaking things out loud is really what like, you know, resonates in my body. So I have just like, I invoke all the time like so um you know in the morning i just like say thank you great spirit anytime i'm about to put anything in my body that is like food a substance whatever it is i hold it and i thank it and i bless it before i put it in my body when i'm going into a social situation i invoke out loud and be like thank you great spirit help me to be a beacon of light help me to allow people's energy to just move through me with grace and ease you know um help me to guide whoever i'm meant to guide so all day throughout the day i am saying little things uh to myself out loud and i think that helps me to not have to have it be some big thing right like i utilize the 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 energy of the water in a shower i'll do the same thing i think the water like, please cleanse me you know on all layers levels and all bodies and dimensions um and so i tell whatever it is that i'm about to do what its job is going to be and so therefore i have lots of different things that i can allow to clear me because even if I am in a completely unfamiliar space with any like don't have any of my tools I know that I don't have to worry or panic because with the power of my I am presence and my my voice and this being my reality I can make that out of anything you know Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I love that because one of the things that I've been focusing on I am going to start using your 
your tool of saying things out loud. I feel like that's something that's really going to resonate with me. But one of the things that I've been experimenting with, which makes sense with what you're saying, because it sounds like it's all about attention and what you're giving your focus to. And so when I'm about to go into social situations or I'm in social situations, what I've noticed is that when I... I don't know how to describe it. I guess when I'm like out here, I feel like I call it like I'm out here. I'm, well, as a projector, my aura, it's like always focusing on everybody else. And it's just like out here wanting to focus, wanting to find something to lock into. And what mm -hmm. I've noticed is that instead of like looking or waiting for that thing that I'm going to lock into, I take my attention. And I like anchor it to my root. And I like mm -hmm. hold my energy at my root. And I like have this awareness that when I'm in these places where there is a lot of energy, that my awareness is just with me. And I kind of just keep it in my field instead of looking or waiting or perceiving, um, which has been extremely helpful in those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And that is, that is one of the things that I teach. Like, I definitely, whenever I'm working with somebody in their design, we, we figure out like, you know, yes, like there's a, there is like your authority, of course, but it's like, yeah, where can you focus on in your body to call you back into your power? Because, you know, social situations, the more sensitive and open I got, um, I noticed in social situations, because I have the open crown, I spent a lot of time up there trying to figure out what other people were thinking, because again, that was like my natural response when I was younger too like how do, can I how can I pivot because like what are you thinking about me or like what you know whatever the thing is you know and because it can be so loud being the magnifier up there in the antenna you know it's easily distracting and if I and as you know like I so said with, with being so defined there's so many different places I can put my my energy and focus into and if I just remember to like okay like bring it back down or whatever the thing is when things start to get really loud in places that I know aren't mine it's like finding that powerpoint you know and I like that you just put it in your root and you're just like yep this is my safe space yeah absolutely and I really like how you highlighted um that the human design like you can you could synthesize and see like where maybe somebody's ADHD is coming through. But people ask me like, where in the chart is their ADHD? And I'm like, I can't pinpoint. Well, if you have this and you don't have this, then this is this. And if you have this and you have this, because there's so many different areas and there's so many different nuances. So I really loved how you touched on the diversity. And it's not just like, if you have this, this equals this. Oh, yeah. It is such a just crazy. I mean, to me... ADHD and and autism they're all like can I like this the, the Scandinavian version of it it's like it's all it's all the spectrum and they're all just different versions of it and so you know one of the issues me and my partner run into is that we are both incredibly ADHD in very opposite ways you know and like so it's like so we try to hold space for each other's ADHD and tisms but because they're so opposite of one another and what is like important to him or he focuses on is unimportant to me or whatever the thing is um and that's why i kind of really was able to notice the nuance of different gates in combination with other gates and just other things right like i said there's so many things that play a factor into it but it helped both of us be able to understand one another's tisms and neurodivergency a little bit better because of the way that it can kind of just spell it out and it, and then because then I understood it better right like why I can't like I said do anything that doesn't make sense for me or whatever the thing is and and he is also you know it's very helpful because he is um 
very uh, passive energy, not only as a ma manifesting generator, he is designed to be inconsistent just in you know, all other, all of the areas, right? So, you know, the man spent so many years beating himself up for not being able to be consistent. And now I know as a partner can know how to support him in that, right? And like, be like, no, remember you're, you're designed to be inconsistent be consistently inconsistent and you're going to just, things are going to move a lot smoother for you. Yeah. And that's why I love human design. It really gives you this window for you to honor your partner, to be able to steward your partner, to be able to just rep, to be able to support them for who they are and to have these tools where it's like, this is why they are the way that they are. And it's like, we can't change this, right? Like when you look at your human design and the things that are there, it's like, this is, this is who you are. Like some of the things that are in there, it's like, wow, this, this is something that I can continue and try to change over and over and over again. But this is a pattern that's continuing going to show up in your life. And having awareness of that is huge. Yes. Is there something um that you particularly like looking at and diving into when it comes to giving human design readings oh goodness i well so of course like you know love me like some rare birds i've only had one person that has come to me that is better reflector so that's always like really fun and interesting i so i really i like i like um or like mental projectors. That's always like an interesting one to me. Um, I love working with the definitions because to like understanding the triple split definition was, um, you know, next to the, the six line was one of the most beneficial things that I could do in terms of like the, just the things that I have judged myself for um, and things that like, I, again, look like, was, you know, tried to change. Um, so it's really, uh, it's like, I can't, there's, there's so much to, they all get me excited, to be honest. Like, and I like start to like, and I like, I can't help it now too. Like, you know, I'm sure you do this as well. So it's like when somebody, you're just like, you meet somebody, you know, new or whatever, they're talking to you. And as they're talking, you're like, I wonder if they have gate five, like, and you can't help but like start to pick things out. And then I like, I'm so curious. I'm like, good. I just like, dude, I just need to see if I'm right here about this. And then whatever it ends up being, I'm so excited to share that I'm like, okay. And then I'm just like, I used to like, like I, when I used to go out, I would just sit in the women's bathroom doing human design readings for people like me. Cause I was like, I don't actually want to be at this club. I just like need to be social right now. So I'm just going to oh sit here and just collect, collect human designers. <laughs> that is hilarious. I feel like that's just like the projector way. Like, have you looked at this? Have you seen this? Cause this has changed my life and I want to change your life. Seriously, that that I love, especially being able to help other projectors. Like I said, I always get I get so excited with everybody's design because it's like within the design too. I can I can tell, you know, whether it's like they come to me as a six and they're about to go into that second chapter and I'm like, oh, now I get why your soul brought you to me for this, right? And so it's like each of them are so exciting because I can just I can tell what like like what is going to be the most important aspects of their design for them to hear and how much it's going to help them to have permission to be that way. And then um, and it's incredible, like just the, like the amount of like change i feel like i've been able to help other people 
achieve in such a short period of time in comparison to how long things took me trying to figure it out on my own after the I began. And, um, and then like, like, cause like I said, it took me up like another four to five years to stumble across human design. So at that point I was just winging it. You know what I mean? Like I'm just trying different things on and experimenting still. I was still in my experimental phase though. So that makes sense why that all kind of took place that way. So it's just so exciting to be able to give people permission that I know that I needed. Yeah. Have you, did you see like a big shift for you going from that third line stage and going up on the roof? Like, like wildly, like, holy smokes. I, like, again, like I thought there was something super wrong. It was also right after my Kundalini awakening. So I like, here's this beautiful magical experience because I shifted so intensely. I didn't just go on the roof. I went on the skyscraper. Like it was like, I was like in the party at the street festival to like being on top of the empire state building, looking down and was like, what the, so I was like, oh my God, I broke myself. Like I literally, like I meditated too hard. Like I pulled the chakra, like I hurt myself. Like something is wrong. Like it was the chakra. Like I don't, I, I was like, I was terrified because I went from being this very much a triple split like I I never had I I will honestly say I did not have you know I've had I toiled with some like girlfriends when I was you know younger but like I did not have a solid girl that was a friend until I was about 25 it was pretty much like right after that I began and so um but to that point it was like everyone knew me but nobody knew me I was a mascot is how I would describe myself right because I was like so in your face and wild and you know and 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 always had substances and different things so it was like but I floated around like this little butterfly I like was the party right but that's why people only invited me to the party they didn't invite me to like you know have a family dinner together you know so um you know so it was like I went from being so much in the party and needing to be around different people and out all the time to like literally feeling everybody so intensely I had no idea what was going on I was suddenly like nervous for the and it was like 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 this mask that I had this persona that I could put on of this like super confident like make fun of myself like witty person I couldn't reach for anymore so it was like everything showed and suddenly like 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 I felt like all my wit was gone I couldn't like like make fun of myself so it was like I I mean to the point where I literally went you know, that was part of the big reason I, I went and lived homelessly in California and backpacked up and down the West Coast, but mostly just because like I wanted to be in the woods away from everybody like like I barely was on my phone. I lost my phone for six months of it, like didn't even take pictures. It was just like everybody leave me alone. Like it was so intense. And you're a six, too. I think that's important to point out that you got that hermit quality. So that's what that's what the you know, yeah. that two does, because there's a difference. You know, there's six threes and there's six twos. And that six two, the hermit is like, thank God we're up here. Thank <laughs> you. I'm like, thank you that we made it here, you know, like because everything you said like not to make fun of yourself to show up to have that humor that's all third line that's all that trial and error you have to have humor through the trial and error and so like once you go on that roof like you said you couldn't reach into that archetype anymore it's like it wasn't there for you and for you to see that and to have that awareness is just like huge 
Yeah, thank you. It really was like, like I said, that two makes such a world of difference, man, because my fiance is a six four. And while he definitely had a big shift, um, it, it showed up just so, so differently. And I would have, like, you know, finding out that, you know, I had that the archetype of the hermit prior to this experience, I would have been like, you're full of shit. Like, cause it was like so far, like I, like I was afraid of being alone right now. I like fricking love it, you know, like, um, and it's just, and so now I'm so glad that I can like really nurture that, that, that hermit aspect, you know, like the, the natural in me. And, but then once I saw it from that roof perspective of like, oh, wow, like just cause I was around people, I was so alone. I was so isolated. Like I didn't want to let anybody, you know, I was like, cool. Like I'm, I'm like in the presence of other human beings, you know, but again, like with no depth, like I never would, you know, invite people to like, just have a girl talk or like, you know, like, because it was like, I always had to be good. I always had to be on. I was always there to lighten everybody else's load and be the life of the party, you know, like, and and, you know, that partially was because like the minute I would try to let people in because of the role I played for them, which can still be hard because of this role of, of being able to be that that guide and helper for people. It was like if that shift was so intense of from me being in the low of my emotional roller coaster, it was such a drastic shift that people would like not know what to do with me or with it. You know what I mean? So then it was like, oh, never mind. We're going to put that back back in the box, back in the box. Go away. <laughs> yeah. And what's what's interesting to even point out, like you mentioned your partner being a four six and you being a six two, like the way that you guys went through trial and error in your first stage is going to be completely different, right? Because for them being a four six, they're going to have trial and error with the relationships and the people that they're with and what they're meant to learn. And your trial and error is just going to be completely different just because of the placement of that six. And then I'm even like looking at your design and I'm looking at your notes, right? And like, this is one thing when, <clears throat> when you're looking, if you don't resonate with your profile number, like if you don't resonate, you're a six two, I highly recommend looking at your nodes because your nodes, you'll be like, wow, because you're a five three, which isn't a combination in, in a profile. Like there is no five, there's a three five, but no five three. But like what this is also saying for you is like your physical body, your environment is literally going to have trial and error. Like your environment is meant for you to bump into things. And I think like, again, having that awareness that, oh, my environment is for me to bump into things. Like my body is literally legit meant to have these trial and errors it makes those situations more optimistic than the pessimism because as like you know especially being a six line you're somebody who's transitioned from pessimism to optimism optimism or at least that's where you're moving towards as a six line because six lines usually start with that pessimistic viewpoint oh yeah oh yeah absolutely it was like you know as i was broken and damaged and nobody was ever gonna love me people were gonna leave anyways you know what i mean everything was like i was like such a, a victim you know and and did i experience a lot of things that i had zero say or control over and you know while they were happening for me still were happening to me and it felt very and i first i several times i said you know, i must have been an awful person in a past like like i went like when i was little was like i clearly was you know like so to me it was like I deserved this and I, and that's where I, I could adopt that bad girl persona because I was like yeah you're right like I am I'm bad you know and I like easily just assimilated into that and um you know it's it's yeah very interesting um that 
that shift because like I said, it really is about being able to um, have that acceptance to come back just full circle into the acceptance where it's like, you know, but because I was such a pessimist and dealt with so much intense you know, shadow and negativity, um, it has, it has prepared me to be able to hold that space for other people. Like, I mean, you know, I get people all the time that would be like, okay, this was really bad of me or really dark. And I'm like, let me hear it. Like, cause I promise you, I promise you it's not as bad as you think it is like, you know, so, you know, so I'm so grateful that I had that ability because I think so many people on this path, especially anybody that considers themselves to be new age it's like we they go through which i don't but it's definitely a part of the new age path is that being afraid of the shadow and the negativity and the and the pessimism right where people like will just like cut people off left and right because they're like you're going through something and that's negative and i don't want it to bring me down where it's like i you know having been that person and understanding um and being able to see the beliefs that they have that are keeping them in that space and how they can shift out of it i'm able to help them transition out of it in a way that's not telling them that this is bad and that you're not meant to be you know what i mean where it's like it's not because you're not exactly where you're meant to be it's just like maybe if we try let's just try this lens on real quick let's just see what happens if we do that you know and then it's like oh i like the view better from here and you know how you were talking about when you meet somebody you're trying to figure out like what it is what do oh, you yeah. have going on if anyone's wondering amanda has the channel of awakening she's got that 2010 and like that's what i feel from you a lot is how you can bring that self-behavior awareness into the now and the way that you communicate it in the now is just so powerful and the way that you're just truly stepping into like your role model yeah. archetype is just beautiful to watch have you looked at what your chiron is um which is so funny because yeah me and ellie just did i don't oh is that the so my, me and my because my business partner is also she and she's really she's doing i have you heard um karen curry parker the quantum human design so um so right now ellie took a class so that we can watch the class together and i think we just went over what all of them are but i don't remember specifically what one my chiron is because we talked about too many of them i know my gate of confusion is super important but i don't know if that one was the chiron one uh well it's your 50 52 is your chiron which connects to your nine which is your okay. sun gate right so that's okay. like you're one of the biggest lessons that you're really here to figure out is how to find inspiration in the stillness which i think is just really funny for you yep 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 100 yep especially because yeah i mean like that's like the funny thing too is like like you know being such an energy projector and being so defined it's so there's so many things that my human design points out to like that just that perfect sense of duality like the opposite of things right it's like i show up so energetically that again people thought i was on drugs my whole life right but really i thought that i had narcolepsy because i could i, I can fall asleep standing up like i you know what i mean so it's like just this and and that's what i've always noticed within my life is this like this mirror and like i said that's why i was like do i i like related so strongly to alice in wonderland because i was like dude do i like live on the other side of a mirror or something Something because there's that that push and pull of the duality just like just going right through me i wonder if that's just like a six line thing like i really like as you're speaking i'm like is this because when you think of the hexagram right one yeah. through five 
everything's going from the one through the five. And then what the six is doing is like taking all this information that was just went through the hexagram and then taking it into the new, taking into what's next. So like sixes are so different. You guys are the only ones that have the tri-life. It's the last number. It's the last thing that things go through. So I'm just wondering, because you have such an amazing awareness, that if this is a, a consistent experience for those who hold that six line in their personality. Yes, that is a really good question because I do, I can see that as kind of being like the straddling of the two because within your own life, you straddled two very clear different lives. And even though, you know, the process of ego death and shedding layers and stuff is is such a human process, but like you said too, like the intense, I mean, I absolutely with how different I am now and you know anybody that I know knew me before could on it like it, it was almost like invasion of the body snatchers but in a good way like a, how different my life is where so it's like I've straddled two different lives and the two experiences and I can definitely say just from knowing I mean my fiance has got the four six but still six nonetheless and then um I have a friend who is also a six two and we are very very similar and I can say very you know similar process with her so now it's something that I'm gonna have to pay attention to as I kind of do people's human designs because I feel like that's definitely a huge part of it yeah me too mm-hmm. learned mm-hmm. something new myself that's amazing yeah. <laughs> um, that's what's so I'm- design. it's always there's always more to learn yeah there really really is now for you, you talked about your, so you do readings, you do consultations, you do monthly webinars that support in different avenues, and you also host medicine retreats. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I do a lot of things. Yeah. So, um, we just started doing retreats um, last year, and I'm excited as we're coming into um, through winter. We're going to definitely be doing a lot more ceremony space is absolutely my favorites, but that I the, the, the person I am able to fully embody and channel in that space for people like if I could just be that Amanda all the time, which I love all my other Amandas too, but so, like that is that is my that is my absolute favorite favorite space um especially you know i think a huge part of it is is i love being able to do in-person work and i I love that i get to work with people all over the world but i love being one-on-one and in-person with people um so yeah i do um several different kind of medicine ceremonies it depends on the retreat and kind of who i've got working with me um i do coaching and that's where like i utilize human design again because we kind of talked about with our partners um i use like human design is the one thing throughout with everybody that I coach that is I do for everyone. The rest of the coaching is very much so dependent on what you need and you as an individual and what is going to work best for you. And that is, of course, so that I can coach people as individuals, right? Like not, I'm not looking for a copycat version of me. You know, I want every I want teammates. That's what I say. Like I'm in, in the business of creating teammates. Um, yeah so so that's something that we do but we're really trying to um focus a lot i like group stuff i love the exchange that i'm getting from people and and i could track so many amazing people that like i get to learn from too so we're um so these, this group coaching um and workshops has been really really fun and the free service that i offer is a weekly free virtual human ex- human experience support group so it's called Soul Recovery. It's Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Central Time. This is free for anybody to join. You just have to be subscribed to my mailing list to get the Zoom link. Um, and this has been a really solid, amazing group of people. And it's so cool. All of the 
just the age range, the locations, like, you know, but we all have this. And whether you're dealing with addiction or mental health or recovering from abusive relationship, whatever it is, it's really about creating a safe space for humans to be humans and looking at however your human is showing up as a subconscious protection mechanism and that there really is no difference in what it is that I'm choosing to use as a protection mechanism, right? It's all like the bottom line, same thing. And so it's been um, a really, really amazing group. And we have like a really solid group of people um, that have kind of like just become family through this process. And we love having new people join the family. You're so first off, amazing. I love absolutely yeah. everything you're doing. The soul recovery. There's something that there was one thing that you did that just really stood out to me. And it, and I'm is this in the soul recovery? It's where you took the 12 steps, not yeah. from AA and you rewrote them into a spiritual aspect. Yes, yes, yes. So this is that is how it started. So I yeah, I did a video once where, you know, because I I follow because I did, of course, the, I did the whole 12 steps and worked them and whatever. And the thing that I realized with them, it's like, there, there's so much, there's a good meat there. Um, Kind of just like the Bible too, where it's like, it's gotten twisted, right? Where it's like the, the meat there is really good though. So, um, so I rewrote them in a way that just made more sense to me. And then I shared that and that video went really well. And people were like, yes, like do a group like this. And so, um, so we started with the original 12 steps that I wrote. We have since now tapered them down to nine steps, which I like because nine is the number of completion. Um, turns out 12 is actually the number. Oh, it's like, of like stagnancy or being like stuck like 12 mm. and kind of like taking away the 13 from the 13 moon calendar and making it be 12 there's some numerology thing to that so so nine is the number of completion so now we've kind of trimmed the fat down and they really are a a recipe that anyone can follow again no matter what your protection mechanism is no matter how your human is showing up that is just a way of um taking responsibility for the fact that, you know, and acceptance that it is a protection mechanism that you are not powerless against it and you have the ability to change it, but you have to change it along with help from your higher self or, you know, some, some greater power than just your human self. Um, and then, you know, daily practices of, of, you know, however you strengthen that connection, right. Being up to you, you know, being willing to accept you're human and surrender those those things on a daily basis. Um, yeah, and so it's it's been it's been really fun uh, to be able to create programs then around the steps. Yeah, that's amazing. Because I I mean like one thing that was challenging for me in AA was the language. Like to say I am and then say I'm an alcoholic. Like just did not. Every time I said it, I'm like, this doesn't feel good in my soul. Like, I don't know what this is, but like, that's where I really learned the power of I am and what I was programming myself and like changing that language. So what you have done is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I could not, I could not relate more. That was, and I remember, and I'm so grateful for my experience in the 12 steps to, again, like you said, to like learn the power of the I am. And I just remember getting in fights with people and just, and, you know, cause I remember in school, I remember learning about the self-fulfilling prophecy that was like second grade or something like that. And so like vividly remember it though. And I remember like arguing with these like elders. It was like, but 
like the thing is, is I, I know I'm never going to not know that that is the relationship and, and the reaction that my body has with this substance. I don't need to tell myself that I'm this thing every day to remember that. Like, I'm not going to forget it. And they're like, oh, you will forget. And I was like, mm, no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm back to using. It's not because I, I forget. It's because that's exactly what I want is to self-destruct. Silly humans. <laughs> Silly humans. <laughs> and changing the vocab that's the biggest thing of my like that's been because i'm a neuro-linguistic programming coach so it's really all about the language that we use you know like it's my alternative recovery program has consisted of right like we don't focus on sobriety we focus on freedom right the goal is not sobriety first of all you know, that is a hard enough thing for somebody to make a goal. If that, you know what I mean? That was my thing too, is I can't make that be a goal that feels like a punishment for being broken mm. or different, you know, like, but like focused on freedom and was like, I don't want anything though, to dictate how I show up and to dictate, you know, you know, how I'm going to be or whatever. I don't want anything else, including another human being, including a hot, like, to have control over me you know i'm not going to give every any one thing full access to that and when i can look at it that way and chase freedom and just look at times of sobriety and when i am not utilizing something as an aspect of freedom rather than the goal in and of itself now i can work for this thing because freedom i want it i can work for that yeah wow like even with you just saying that like i just kind of well not i wish that was my perspective like during my process you know what i mean because like there because like i've had relationships with sobriety right or or freedom whatever you want to call it in this moment but like where i've worked to get sober but like the goal what the only goal was to be sober and so like i've got to stay sober stay sober and like that's cool but even during that time my mental Oh, like just, I was depressed. My mindset was horrible. I di didn't have the capacity to support myself in this new brandy that I was trying to become. And with mm -hmm. you just even switching the goal to freedom, like me switching the goal to micro working out, like just the way that you shift it and per like perceive it is huge. And for you to be able to make that and to have a framework to be able to help people with, I'm just like blown away. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I mean, nothing means more like, because there's so, it was terrifying to speak about these things at first, because I, you know, I'm, I, um, I wholeheartedly am going up against and disagreeing with what science says or what, like what is traditionally done or whatever the thing is. And so it's been really incredible to, um, be able to have it resonate with so many people and, and just to witness the change in people's lives at just as a result of changing a perspective, like, and it really can be that simple. That's where it should start, right. Rather than wrestling or beating yourself into submission, like stay sober and just white knuckling it and being miserable. You know, it's like, if you start with the perspective, perspective shift of it and and that comes back to acceptance too how can i accept that this is my behavior right now right so that i can choose something else but first i have to accept that this is what it is right now you know and those little changes of perspective then your body gets in line and it's the coolest thing you know and you really get to witness then too um 
you know, that, like that, that, that focus and attention, what you give your power to, right? Like when we make it be about sobriety, we're demonizing substances. If we're demonizing substances that we have or in the past put into our bodies, then that's a part of demonizing ourselves, right? Like, so it's like when you have sobriety be the goal, all the power is going to the substance then, right? That's just the tool. That's just, it's just a gateway. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a powerful perspective. To have now you even said like never mind i'm drawing a huge blank because i was going to say that you said something about like first you got to put change your mind and then let your body follow but do you believe that sometimes putting your body in the situation and then letting your mind follow is is also another absolutely yeah it, it definitely kind of like coincides with um it's like they, they can go hand in hand, right? Like it's so first you have to have the awareness that getting your bot, like getting your body to do the thing might be a push at first, right? Like first you have to accept that, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying a new thing in general, uh, it, you know, even if it's, you know, so once I accepted that the things that are going to be really good for me are, are probably going to be things that are a push. So first I have that acceptance, but I typically do start with, um, my mind and sense of so like when I I wanted to want to go to the gym for years, but like didn't, you know, so I and so and the more I beat myself up for not wanting to go and like, oh, but uh, uh, or whatever the thing is, the less likely I was that I was going to go um, because that's something you do when you love yourself, not when you're shaming yourself. So. So what I did first was like, okay, we're gonna try this a different way. We're gonna do this a different way. So every day I set a timer in my phone to, to uh, visualize for five minutes, me fit at the gym, healthy, having fun and enjoying it, right? And that's where it started um, until, and it took about a month for me of doing finally actually go but i believe in doing that too i enjoyed it so much quicker the whole time i was there i was so proud of myself for doing it and for going i wasn't sitting here stewing it i freaking hate this this is miserable see i never wanted to so then i was more likely to go back so um so it's recognized that it is a little bit of both there's going to be a push to get yourself to do something new because it's unfamiliar and it's scary and it's new and we're all like afraid of that beginner energy right but if you do start first by visualizing yourself doing that thing and experiencing it and enjoying it um it's going to make it a lot easier when that time comes to push 1000 percent. i mean even with what you were just saying like it makes so much sense like you've got to, it's like you're making a decision with your mind first before you're putting your body in the situation because like when i used to train it didn't matter if it was 20 degrees outside because that it you can't control the weather. So I would have to like mentally, like, of course, I don't fucking want to go out there and work out in 20 degree weather, but I now have to mentally picture myself, the feeling that's going to come, the benefits of working out in this degree and all this stuff just to get me there. So what you said makes complete sense. Yes. It's like, it's like playing the tape forward that they tell you in traditional addiction recovery to begin with, right? Like when you get the craving for the thing, play the tape all the way forward of how that's actually going to pan out for you, you know, but it's like doing the same thing, just like in reverse, you know, like, um, you know, and like I said, it's even, uh, you know, doing that with, like I said, with like, with ADHD cleaning the house or, or dishes or whatever. like, you know, it's like, again, my mind will tell me this is going to be like a five hour task that's going to take all day. So then I'm like, oh, but then it's 
it's like if I let myself visualize it first and I visualize myself doing the dishes it's like I remember like oh yeah that usually takes me like three minutes okay never mind we can do that real quick you know so it's like just starting it up there it, you know because your body senses that then as real your your you know your body doesn't really know the difference between it's like what you've imagined as being real or what you're actually experiencing and so you make it real first in here and then your body isn't as afraid especially with that nervous system stuff Absolutely. Amanda, you have been an absolute gem. Are there any final words that you would just like to leave today? Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much. Um, again, thank you for all of the work that you do. Thank you for having me on the show. And I know that this will not be the last time um, that we connect. Um, so let's see any final words with well, we definitely love to have any of you guys um, come join us at soul recovery. You can find me too. Um, my website and all my business stuff is going to be at www.cosmicsoulrecovery.com. Um, and then on TikTok and Instagram, I'm at cosmic soul underscore guide. And the last thing I want to leave you with is my favorite quote by Nikola Tesla. And that is our virtues and our failings are inseparable, like force and matter once separate man exists no more. And this is my favorite because it just reminds you that in order to exist, you have to exist within a dualistic system, a reality within yourself. And so um, in, in recognizing that it is, it, it is how you are able to exist within a physical reality, that you have both virtues and failings. And the minute you might turn one failing into a virtue, something else might become a failing because because we're meant to be that way. And so I really, to me, it ties into human design and just accepting that we're all everything and we're all going to be both. That is beautiful and amazing. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. And that wraps up another insightful episode on the Projector Guidance Podcast. I want to thank Amanda for joining me and sharing valuable insight and tools that will help you all on your growth journey. Be sure to check out Amanda's work and follow her on social media for more wisdom and community. You can find her information in the show notes below or visit her website at CosmicSoulRecovery.com. Remember to subscribe to the Projector Guidance Podcast for engaging episodes, expert interviews, and transformative discussions. By staying connected, you'll continue to receive guidance and support as we delve into various aspects of human design. Together, we can unlock the true potential of your unique design. If you are looking for resources to help you deepen your understanding of human design, check out my website at projectorguidance.com. Until next time, may each of you embrace the power of your human design, honor your true essence, and thrive in the magic that unfolds when you live in alignment with your authentic selves.